Hi and welcome to today's podcast. We have a guest from a place that I've never heard of. Um, maybe you're kind of familiar with this, like maybe not. I'll let you know. Working in radio and media all these years, we get a lot of press releases. Can you talk about this? And there are a lot of them. Some of them are meaningful. Some of them we dismiss kind of easily. But I was very excited to get this email from Tim Teggy from the Sight Center to talk about blind ambition. So we're going to have Tim on in just a couple of minutes. And because I didn't know anything about the Sight Center, I uh, I did no prep for, for the interview except looking over Tim's email real fast because I had nothing but questions to, to, to start with. Who are you? What is this place? How can I help? Uh, We'll get to Tim in a couple of moments here. Because this story with the woman um, who critically injured her children in the stabbing um, just can't get any better, there was another element to it. Uh, Yesterday, we briefly talked about how um, her life ended in her cell. And I had wondered, why was she in a cell and not not at the Northwest Ohio Psychiatric Hospital. She was on a waiting list, which is baffling. I'm sure there are different degrees of severity. And if you had heard her 911 call, you would think she'd have to be pretty high up on that list. So again, bad news. And I actually exchanged an email with a, a judge friend of mine today who is a big mental health advocate for things like these and getting people proper help before punishment. In between that email and her responding back to me, I saw that um, there was another twist and turn in this story in the blade. So there may have been some terrible miscommunication because Northwest Ohio Psychiatric Hospital Hospital said they never got an order from the Lucas County Jail for the transfer. Chief Navarre uh, produced a copy of the transfer that the blade. Uh, at least talked about in their article. So a paperwork error as well. Um, And this is why a lot of people have their legitimate and easy to support skepticism of of government at at all levels because of mistakes like this where, where lives are lost. And I hate this whole story because it gives people who are in the throes of mental distress, more of a reason to not reach out because they can just point to this and go, if they didn't help her, why are they going to help me? And it makes jobs like mine a lot more challenging because there are challenges and barriers to getting people where they need to be. And maybe it's not one visit, it's two visits, it's three doctors, it's three... It's a lot as it is, and I hate when things like this pop up. Um, Another quick couple of Will Smith day two things. He apologized yesterday. Haven't heard anything from Chris Rock as of right now. Again, it's Tuesday, March 29th, 205 in Podcastville. Um, A couple of things. Should they take his Oscar away? Sure. Uh, It's just a statue, though, and my... Comparison would be like uh, if uh, if an athlete cheated with performance-enhancing drugs and was the MVP. Well, you take away that that honor and and that trophy because he cheated. Will, Will Smith didn't cheat. He just lost his mind because when emotions are involved, 
We often make very poor decisions, and Chris Rock hit the biggest red button that Will Smith has about his marriage and Jada, and he unraveled. Um, Take the Oscar away, sure, you can't take away the performance that was voted on by the Academy members. As I always say, for whatever that is worth to you, we are all our own awards for food, places we enjoy, places to shop, music, movies, TV. The other thing, is his career over? I don't think so. Um, For a lot of reasons, so far this has been managed okay. And in a lot of ways, well... If you're doing winners and losers for for the evening, at least with Chris Rock and Will Smith, they're both winners and losers. Um, and I can I explain that in the blog if you want to go check that out. EricChaseBlog.wordpress.com. Will was a loser for losing his mind uh, and doing what he did instead of an alternative of ignoring it or like as I mentioned yesterday, take Jada and leave. That would have been quite a protest to a show that has already gotten a lot of them from people just tuning out, even though they did get 15 million viewers the other night. And that was before this all happened around 1030 at night. Um, He is also kind of a winner because there are plenty of people that were like, good for him for standing up. Like my friend Katie said yesterday, it's time to stop ripping on people and making jokes for things that are out of people's control. I did hear someone else say Chris Rock might not have known a thing about Jada's alopecia battle, no matter how public she's been about it. This is one of the things where um, can you guilt someone for not knowing what they didn't know? And again, Chris Rock hasn't said a thing. But yeah, people want to support Will for saying, you are not going to talk like that to the person that I love. Um, Is his career over? No, because you're talking about like over 30 years like 35 years since his rap career started in the mid to late 80s, um, where the public has adored him. He has had several massive bombs of movies, and he just keeps on getting big roles. He is adored. So hopefully I've illustrated why I don't think his career is over, and especially for as adored as he is, even for the people that might be angry at him and I'm not going to be that harsh, but there are people who take what I say. Keep your hands to yourself. And when you cross that line, you cross it for good. There are people who have said he he showed obvious signs of uh, overwhelming male machismo and and, uh, that like behavior of an abuser, meaning like he might treat Jada like that. That was completely nonsensical. But even if you're done with him, I know we've all been Will Smith fans at one point in our lives, whether it was for his first day's rapping for summertime for all the cheesy rap songs from get jiggy with it to Miami to will 2k to the movies, the good, the bad, the award winning. There is a place in people's hearts and heads to forgive him for what he did. Um, I, I ask for forgiveness for not knowing sooner about the site center. And I'm very happy to have Tim Teggy on to explain all about himself how he's involved with it, and how you might want to be involved with it as well, or pass it along to someone that you might know. Tim Teggy from the Sight Center. Tim, how do I pronounce your last name? It's Teggy. Teggy. I thought that's what it was. Yeah. I, I always want to get my pronunciations right. 
Good. <laughs> thank uh, you. Well, thank you. Uh, I, usually, as as you might know, um, your position is what, what uh, marketing outreach development for the site center? Yeah, yeah, development coordinator for the site center of Northwest Ohio. Um, as you might know, when you send out these press, press release emails, you probably know that a lot of them unfortunately go to junk or get dismissed but um yours caught my eye for whatever reason the 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 universe was was lining up um (laughs) and i was like wait a second we we have a site center here and then i sent some emails off and uh i heard good things about you and then that's why i wanted to get you on as soon as i could so um i have tons of questions first if you could tell me a little bit about yourself and then of course the site center Okay. Well, I'm, uh, I, I grew up in uh, north of Cincinnati, youngest of four, and uh, how it connects to the site center is I, I grew up with a vision impairment, um, starting at about age eight or nine. Um, my oldest brother was diagnosed with uh, a condition called Stargardt's disease, and it's basically early onset macular degeneration. So what many people get later in life, we genetically got earlier in life. And, um, so I've had a I've, I've been considered legally blind most of my life. I've never um, legally driven, um, and went off to college to Bowling Green and moved there and and stayed there. So I've connected with the site center, um, you know, as a client, and then went on to serve on their board. Um, and now for the past six years, I've been I've been working at the site center. Um, I I live in Bowling Green. Um, have a wife and a daughter, and. Um, I love uh, growing plants, and I'm a songwriter, and just stuff like that. Since I didn't have a midlife crisis of buying a, a sports car, I had to do something different. So, uh, well, well, plants and things like that was everybody else's like quarter life crisis, pandemic crisis go to. Um, I, I have I have questions, and, and that's why like I very I did very little prep for this interview because I just I am naturally curious. So, well, what good. what can you and can't you see and do you wear glasses? Like, because I've never seen you. I didn't do that much digging. What is your sight like? Are you're because you're not completely blind, right? Correct. I I do wear glasses, and they they are just a normal nearsighted prescription that clears up, gives me a little more clarity. But it's the retina that's damaged, so um, the image can be perfectly clear going into my eye, but it's the retina that's just not able to receive the signal. So um, I can see really well out of my periphery. Um, so I tend to look off. If I was looking at you face to face, you'd think I wasn't making eye contact, or I was, you know, uh, looking over your shoulder or something like that. Um, I have the central vision is is considered a blind spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could spot a paper clip on the carpet out of the corner of my eye and then run into the door. That's Got a it. good way to think of it. And uh, But I do ride my bike, you know, uh, around Bowling Green. I have a bike here in the office, um, you know, just to uh, get out and commute. I've changed my routes over the years as the vision has deteriorated. Mm-hmm. I used to do, you know, things differently, and I'm just dialing it back as I feel, you know, that the vision changes. So. Um, we've had some, um, incredible, uh, technological advances in, in medicine and health. Um, is there, is there a cure for what you have? Is there anything on the, on the horizon that could improve your vision, um, beyond just glasses? I mean, this is not comparable at all, but, um, my vision went bad really fast. Um, not, not blindness, but well, 
some might say it was, um, when I was in my early teens, like you need glasses. Um, and I got them, my gla- my, I, my vision got worse and worse and worse. And when I finally did get LASIK in 2014, I was like, why didn't anybody tell me I look like Mr. Magoo? <laughs> like it looked like I was wearing like a uh, bulletproof glass in my lenses. Um, and <laughs> now they're like, I know that I'm, I'm going to maybe need reading glasses or progressive at some point. And I know there's some surgery or drops that can maybe do something with, age-related um, nearsightedness. Is there anything that will be able to help you down the line? Like, like I said, I have tons of questions about all of this. There's nothing right now, but there are. they've been doing some uh, a lot of research over the last you know, several decades on um, you know, things that might cause the retina to grow new retinal cells. Um, things like you know, there are some stem cell studies going on. There's some other things to activate the, the retina, but the retina is the most complex part of the body. There's, I believe there's more nerves and more, um, more stuff going on in the retina than in any other part of the body, especially with considering the nerves and the optic, um, the, the cells related to the, the optic nerve. Um, so there are some things that are being done to prevent or delay macular de- age-related macular degeneration. But what I have, there is nothing yet, but um, there's always things on the forefront. I'm 50, I'm 58, so I don't. I'm, I've, I've stopped holding out hope for it, and I just, you know, I think the last time I really worried or was hoping for a cure was back when I was in my early 20s. And at right. that point, it's like I didn't see hanging on to something that was so um, out of my control. So I thought I'll just not worry about it. If it happens, it happens. Um, but then I've, as I've gotten older, there's parts of me that are. It's it's so much of who I am. I don't know how I would be if I could see. Sure. <laughs> well, you know, sure. would change everything. Let me like zoom ahead. And I was going to get to this later on because when I was reading through your email, um, it talks about, this is the blind ambition is a lot about uh, employing people who have uh, vision impairments. And I, I find it fascinating. And I definitely want to get to that, but I want to jump ahead because when I was reading through that, there was a lot of, like it evoked a lot of sadness and pathos in me. And I don't know if you know anything about me, but I'm, I'm a big mental health advocate. Um, I, I talk about it all the time because it's either that dogs or Batman and only like really two of those people care about. Um, I'm very forthcoming. I'm very candid. Um, I want people to help themselves. It's been a silver lining of the pandemic that, um, that more people have become attuned to their mental health. Uh, recently, uh, I think you have some connections to the ability center, right? Yeah, we do a lot of work with the Ability Center. Okay. I have uh, fallen in, in I'm, I have a bromance now with our new executive director, Stuart, who is incredible. Yeah. And he wants me to, he's like, mental health is, is a disability. He's like, I want to bring you into this. Um, and the long way of asking the question was, and it sounds like when you were in your 20s and maybe when this first happened, what was the, what was the mental, what was the mental aspect of having to deal with something so far? And, and you think you said you were like a, a kid, like almost a teenager. And I can't imagine what that's like to go through where, you know, when you're old, you're supposed to lose your vision. But here it is when you're, I think you said like eight, nine, ten years old. Yeah. And I, it, 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 uh, it really helped me having an older brother who was in a way kind of a lead blocker. But at, at times, even he, I remember this, awkward moment when I was at a restaurant with my mom and my brother and he was reading the, the menu with a magnifier and he was had his face buried in it like I do now and I was like a teenager and I remember being embarrassed by my own brother and it just that's kind of haunted me over the years like 
I'm going to be like this. And I, you know, and, and so it, it, I had to get over that part, but turning 16, when all my friends were getting their driver's license and I wasn't, that was a, I, I remember that being a very uh, difficult moment. Uh, and then again, maybe early twenties when I thought there might be a chance to do some kind of driving with magnification that ended up not being a possibility for me. Um, but somebody years ago told me when I, with, when I was 16, they said, just look on the bright side. You always get the back seat um, <laughs> on double dates. And, and I, ever since then, I just, I think my family's always, we've always like laughed at ourselves. And my right. brother is the first to laugh at the things he does be because of his vision. And I think I learned that. So, um, but we run into it all the time here and I've had a, where I've had a lifetime to get used to this. Um, we serve people who go, are going through a tremendous loss. They've, you know, 70, 80 years old, they've driven their whole life. They've read the newspaper. They've fill in the blank, everything that's vision related. And then they have to start giving that up. And that's a, that's a big loss. And, uh, um, we're keenly aware of that in what we do. Um, even our staff just two weeks ago, we all went through, um, mental health first aid training so that we can be better prepared, uh, you know, to handle anybody, whether it's a client, a, a coworker, or just people in our own families to, to spot some of those mental health issues that, um, do seem to be, you know, bubbling up a lot more these days. Would you say with many of the, the clients and, and people you work with at the site center, um, endure some level of mental distress from the battle they're, they're facing? I, I would, uh, you know, I can't diagnose that and I can't, and I don't work as closely with our clients as, as some of the other people on, on staff do, but I can't, uh, anecdotally, it, it definitely feels like everybody goes through some part, some sort of, uh, loss or sadness or depression or, um, or even anxiety. I, I've just been feeling a little more anxiety lately from, um, I don't know, it feels like my vision's taken a little bit of a step down here in the last year and I'm just a little more clumsier than I used to be. And that mm-hmm. kind of makes it unnerves you a little bit. Right. Um, Tell me about, I, I thank you for giving me the tapestry of, of who you are. And, and I think I could tell from the first moment we hopped on the phone, I can hear the joviality in your voice. And in many ways, um, I try to, I try to sneak them in at the right point when I can feel my audience out. But, you know, suicide is a part of the advocacy, advocacy that I do, suicide prevention and, and sharing my ideations. And I try to sneak some humor into it. Um, mm-hmm. because it's the way that I deal with it as well. And I, I, I made a mental note. Uh, you said, um, they told you to look on the bright side, which might've not been the best <laughs> thing. And I also heard you say you've never legally driven. So that made me wonder if you have illegally driven, but I appreciate your demeanor I, I, with this. Before, before I answer that, I need to know what the statute <laughs> of limitations is. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing at no, all. No, a young man's, a young man's friends, uh, you know, interested in in exploring uh that adventure some so that's about what i'll say from decades ago tell, tell me about <laughs> what i knew nothing about until your email popped up what is the site center what does it do and then walk me into um this this great project the blind Am- ambition employment project so the site center was founded um about 98 years ago 1924 as the toledo society for the blind um, and it started primarily as a way to provide like social and recreational um, outlets for 
um, Toledo area folks who are blind. Um, in the years since, uh, the name has changed to the Sight Center of Northwest Ohio, and that kind of represents two major uh, changes. One is it's not uh, just for people who are blind. Um, in fact, the majority of people we serve nowadays are, are visually impaired. Um, a lot of them are older adults losing their vision. Um, we still serve anyone who has a permanent vision impairment from birth, old age, um, uh, whether it's from birth or you know total blindness to vision impairment. But anybody whose vision is no longer correctable and has to start learning how to live with that reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't do primary eye care. We're not competing with local eye doctors. In fact, we count on them to direct people our way when their vision can't be corrected. Um, we serve 18 counties in Northwest Ohio. That's the other um, part of that name change that's significant is um, while we're located in Toledo, we serve 18 counties all the way down to Lima, to the Indiana border and uh, um, over to Sandusky in that area, parts of Southeast Michigan as well. Um, and we're even doing some, some work in central Ohio with, you know, with a staff person who's down there. We help in three major ways. One is the individual um, kind of rehab, clinical and rehab work uh, that a person might get, um, helping them learn how to use magnification, uh, assistive technology, how to get their smartphone and their tablets to work for them to stay connected to information and and to friends and family. Um, the Like how to use a white cane, or just even if it's not a white cane, how to navigate safely uh, through their home, their neighborhood, their community. Um, sometimes it is a white cane that is, is needed. Um, how to do daily living um, adaptations, how to get somebody to cook, clean, manage medications, uh, organize their finances without the site that they're used to. Um, and then uh, helping them modify their home environment just to make it you know, more safe, more, uh, more usable, more user-friendly uh, with lighting, furniture placement, et cetera. Do you know offhand, can you give me, I know math and statistics can bore some people or the average person. I actually find them quite fascinating. Can you give me some th- some statistics of um, blindness in the population, um, I guess fully blind, but also uh, visually impaired? I'm, I'm sure you have some flashy numbers. <laughs> you know, I, I don't have them right in front of me, but okay. it's roughly about 5% of the population has some vision impairment. Uh, obviously, a smaller percentage of that would be people who are totally blind. Um, but that, you know, you, you think about the population, five, five out of every 100, one out of every 20 is going to have you know, some type of vision impairment that, uh, you know, would not be correctable. What's the Blind Ambition Project? Getting um, people to work and, and, letting under, and letting employers know that these people are employable? Well, we do um, we do a lot of work and, and have uh, for years with uh, the state association or the state agency um, uh, Bureau of Services for the Visually Impaired. That's um, they've helped me off and on over the years, and that agency and, and the work we do through that program has helped people get kind of the tools, the maybe a software program or some different magnification to help them um, equip them to do their their job. Um, you know the way they could if they had sight. Um, this program is not about like those specific tools, the, the stuff. This is about helping people maybe prepare more um, with confidence and attitude to say, I'm, 
you know, I know what job I want to look for. I, I know how to find it. And I'm going to show that I'm the best person for this job or that I, or that you need that you need to hire me because I can do this job. It's not about like, I'm the best blind person for the job or you should hire me because of that. It's like competitive. Uh, it's kind of getting people psyched up to say, I may have lost my vision, but I didn't lose all the stuff that I know. And I didn't lose my problem solving. I didn't lose, you know, my people skills. In fact, some of those things get better with a deficient, you know, when you lose something, other things can step forward. And it's, I see it as a way to help, help really get people fired up to say, I do want to work. I just don't know how to go from this career that I've had with vision to something different without vision. And it's, it's helping people make that transition or people that have been maybe not sure that they can get back into the workforce uh, for fear of losing, you know, disability benefits and helping them understand what those rules are and that there are ways to do both, you know, to get, some part-time employment. Um, but so really it's that attitude and that uh, confidence is what we're, what this project's about. Can you give me uh, maybe an example of, of someone who has come to you or maybe someone who you might be targeting um, who's visually impaired to whatever degree and you want to get them getting some of those part-time hours? Because uh, I, I, I'm, this is not a pun by any means. I'm trying to visualize what <laughs> someone who, might not be able to see anymore. Might need a magnifying glass and these, these. I'm. I hope helpful apps on our tablets and whatnot. Like, what could that person do? Um, th- th- there are a lot of things. I think. Imagine somebody who might be, say, a nurse, mm-hmm. as an example, um, and all of a sudden loses their vision. They, they, all of their knowledge about nursing still exists, and in today's world, telemedicine. Um, you know, um, hotlines calling, you know, there's, there's lots of different ways that a nurse could use that skill, um, that may be in a different way. Um, so the, the computer I'm sitting at right now talking to you, um, the letters are about three inches tall. I can zoom in and out, uh, to make them larger, smaller. Um, I turned off the voice, so it's not interfering with this interview, but, um, I can have all of my, email messages, internet content read to me by a voice that sounds a lot like um, Stephen Hawking, um, that type of a computer voice. There's um, uh, obviously lighting, um, those types of things that can help uh, make somebody's job easier to do. Uh, I work in spreadsheets all the time with mm-hmm. the software I use. Uh, so that's just an, you know a few examples of how uh, somebody could use computer technology. Um, we work with people to, uh, through call centers to get their computers set up to, so that when they're taking calls from, a, um, you know, customer sa- service satisfaction lines or whatever that, that they're able to ask the questions and they hear them, uh, through their ears, through the software that's been modified. And then they, you know, log the answers. And, uh, we do this because, it's part of our mission, but also over 60% of uh, people who are blind or vision impaired are unemployed. Right. And not everybody wants to be that. So Sure. Um, how much has technology helped in just the short period of time in your lifetime of, as you've gone through this? I've become a little bit familiar with some of these programs due to some friendships I have, but also watching Stuart at the Ability Center do what he does with his programs. It 
it almost, I, I would guess maybe even for some people, feel like a, a new lease on, on life and almost like future technology that we never thought would, would exist is here. Like what you talked about, how you get an email and it reads it out to you in the Stephen Hawking voice. How much has technology made things so much easier than things were in just as recently as the 90s? It, it's hard to even describe. I, and the iPhone is is by far the, I think, the single biggest thing that has uh, transformed that. Um, they've made such a commitment through um, Apple and the iPhone uh, iOS devices to commit to accessibility that it's consistent across all platforms, um, whether it's navigation, GPS. One of the coolest things is converting print into audio. Uh, I went to... Um, the World War II Museum down in New Orleans a few years ago, and I always hated going to museums because of um, there were so many little placards to read. Right. And uh, this one app now, um, and it's a free. It, it's interesting because Microsoft makes a free app that's only available on Apple products. Mm. <laughs> so you talk about a new world. Um, but it let me hold my phone up, and within a within seconds, it was converting that sign into speech in my ear through my earbuds incredible um there's you can tell colors you can tell currency with without your sight with some of these devices and that's just the tip of the iceberg um you know what can be done with just a smartphone with an iphone right for all of us i mean we don't have a we don't have flying cars yet and we may never but we have incredible technology like that that uh, that can help all kinds of uh, people with impairments. Um, is and what's we- interesting is that whole going back to when I was sixteen, I am I'm now somewhat optimistic that I'll be able to you know ha- have a car someday. I won't be able to drive it, but I'll be able to have a car <laughs> that drives me. So there is that as well. There is that as well. <laughs> Um, how can people get involved or follow up with the Blind Ambition Project? I know there's some dates on here. Um, let's run through those. Yeah, this is a pilot project thanks to uh, a grant uh, from the Sisters of St. Francis uh, Foundation, Sisters of St. Francis out of Sylvania. And they, they like this concept. Um, so we're pilot testing it, and we're doing it in these kind of intensive three-week workshops. There's uh, three sessions. Uh, our first one's going to be starting April 14th. So it'll be Thursday, April 14th. The next uh, class in that session would be the 21st and then the 28th. That Those three sessions would make up, um, you know, the first workshop series. Um, there's also going to be follow-up um, mentoring opportunities and ongoing job club kind of activities for people that still want to bounce, uh, you know, resumes and things like that off of, off of others. Um, we're then going to repeat that in um, June, and again in August, and again in October. So that that in three session mentoring and job coaching kind of stuff, um, those that will be happening four times this year. So people that are interested, they they do need to commit to attending all three sessions during that phase, uh, and they can do that by reaching out to the site center online. They can call us. Um, they can stop in and ask questions and that kind of thing as well. I see registration is free, but the space will be limited. And I wanted to ask you earlier, and I, I see it now underneath the registration, as many places I think are getting really good at, particularly I think with uh, with black and white cab, um, they seem to have found their niche as it became an Uber and Lyft world to really work with the community. Um, and do you, I mean, you might not use them, but you can help people with transportation as well, right? 
right? We, we are um, trying to help people if they do have difficulty getting here to, um, you know, to help them get here. Um, but again, ultimately through this process, the, the goal is to help encourage them and model that um, if you're going to become competitively employed, you know, getting to work is part of that skill set as well. So. Well, this was as great as I expected. I hope I asked all the right questions. I, I could ask like two dozen more, but we only have so much time. But uh, thanks for all of this because, again, I and I apologize, forgive the pun, I was blind to the fact that we had a site center here in the area, and now I'm uh, delighted to know that we have it. And please inform me with everything. Let me know if there's anybody I can connect you to and how I can help in whatever way, shape, or form. Oh, that would be awesome. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, last two questions that I ask everybody, what's your, and I don't care what kind of impairment you have, uh, regardless of the person, what's your favorite Metro park? Um, I like Oak openings. Okay. Yeah. Uh, favorite. I've um, done some good hiking there with my, with my daughter and wife. Favorite restaurant. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, we get to, there was, there, we were going to leave the interview without a little controversy. <laughs> well, you know, I, I lived down in Bowling Green. Okay. And, um, oh, my gosh. You know what? There is a, it has to still be open, though, right? What, we gonna... I'm a, I'm, there's, there's a place called Miles Pizza Pub. Yeah, that yeah. I'm in Bowling there. Green, that was just legendary. And I love, yeah. love, love it. There's a, there's a good, you know, uh, Similarity there now, 516 Pizza Pub. Yeah. So Miles reestablished down in uh, in Greenville, South Carolina, and and uh, that, that place is legendary. I remember my 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 old job, why, whenever Miles closed, whether it was like, probably like 15 or 16, I remember seeing people line up to get their last pizza from Miles. And I had never had it. I'd heard of it. I, and then I think I yeah. ran, we ran through the exercise of what what restaurant would close for us to have to do that, and I couldn't come across one. But I th- those the lines of food were, were legendary. And BG has is it has more great restaurants that people don't know about than you would think. Like I can't believe that more people don't know about Mister Spots. Now I'm from Philadelphia, um, but their food oh is, yeah their food is, le- is great legitim- legitimately. Philadelphia, authentic, um, and I've come across other places in BG. There's a guy that that is an ex. Um, he's a BG alum. He does this thing called Trigger Meals, and he cooks out of one of the the restaurants down there. There's, there is some great food for what is considered yeah. a small area in BG. Yeah, and it's interesting because there's a lot of people that still like want an Applebee's <laughs> in the Bowling Green, and I'm like, well, look around, we got great oh, stuff here. Oh man, <laughs> but so does Toledo. So. We have our Applebee's here as well, and our and our Olive Garden, and uh, and two Red Robins. And you got great pizza and some great. Yeah, there's a lot of good food up here, and I think there's a place called Halftime Pizza, which I hear is incredibly miles like. Halftime, I've heard of it. Um, I can't speak to anything, but I, I I've heard of it, and that, that's the good thing. Like, I I love that we don't have to do um like we have the local chains like Marcos, Vitos, Genos, but we don't have to go to the Pizza Hut's, Little Caesars because we have those Marcos places. But there are so many delicious pizza places pizza places all over. So um we have we have some real good places to eat here. Yeah, that's true. Awesome! This was a great time. Thanks for doing this. Um, I'm glad to connect with you. Yeah, thank you, Eric. I really appreciate it.